Rogers Business App Market brings together the right apps for your business and wraps it all up with Rogers world-class support. Microsoft Office 365 makes it easy. Whether you need to securely store and backup files, access or share documents in the cloud, collaborate with your team or manage your business from anywhere and on any device. Plus, with support from Rogers, you'll get everything up and running quickly. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash business apps. Scotiabank understands that business is personal and your business has unique needs. That's why we offer flexible solutions for your business banking. Create your own business banking package that works for you by opening an account online in minutes with ease and start saving today. Visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business to get started. Sharing the journey of real Canadian changemakers and the impact they have on the world we live in. It's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day in the life stories and in their shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs, build theirs. This is my lane. Want to connect after the podcast? You can find me at www.meetrivers.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, heading to one of my favorite cities on the planet, definitely in Canada. We're just really excited on the Startup Canada podcast show, which is actually being recorded today from St. John, New Brunswick at a wonderful incubator called Connection Works. Big shout out to my buddy, Doug Jenkins. And yeah, so back to the guest, not the commercial. We've got uh, Trisha on the call today. Trisha Bozart is a young professional who is also credited as a mentor, public speaker, and industry resource. She is also the public relations manager at London's hottest tech company, Voices.com. The company is the largest global online marketplace for voice over talents and audio services based in London, Ontario. Her work at Voices has led the company to win or to be nominated for a number of awards in London. Trisha has seen success in the past, as well as her team ranked fourth internationally for best use of social media by the Financial Times Limited. Very cool. As an award-winning communications professional, Trisha has worked with some of the biggest media outlets in North America, including the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, CBC, and the Financial Post, and also at the city's key agencies such as London Hydro and London Economic Development Corporation. She 
currently sits on Western University's Alumni Association Board of Directors and serves on the board's PR committee, of course, with a special focus on issues management. On today's podcast, we're going to talk to Tricia about the ins and outs of public relations for startups. Tricia, thank you so much for being on the Startup Canada show. Thank you very much, Rivers, for having me on. Well, first, I got to ask you this because I um, I was reading a book recently called Vagabonding, and and one of the things, one of the one of the testimonials in Vagabonding was a voice actor. So I'm curious, with Voices.com, do you find a lot of your talent are actually wandering around the world? Yes, actually, that is kind of a perk of being a voice talent in this time and age. Uh, back in the day, it was a handful of major voice actors who were recording the majority of things and they were the ones who'd have to take their limo or take whatever yeah. the recording studio record. Um, in this new day and age, there's higher demand for um, voice over different applications, something like Kickstarter videos or searing your phone or any of those home gadgets like Alexa or Google Home and things like that. Um, things have changed and now there's a higher demand for voiceover, but not just of voiceover talent themselves, but of international voice talent. So we have people who are recording all over the world from their back gardens, Um, or in converted closets. We have somebody actually in Toronto who converted the walk-in closet in her house to record from her condo in Toronto. We have somebody else actually who traveled all over Europe a couple years ago and just recorded in the mornings from her hotel room or from her hostel and then went about the day um, sightseeing and then made money along the way. So you can definitely go all over the world with this job. Yeah, I think that's really brilliant. Okay, so you can go all over the world, but you can't all work for voices.com. You're, you're internationally acclaimed, <laughs> yes. you know, awards, all that kind of stuff. What's your vetting process? I mean, you know, I'm, a, I'm on a podcast show. Uh, we're doing this with voice. I think I got a pretty good voice. I want to apply to voices.com to, to become one of your talents. What's the process that one, okay, I need to go through, but also two, what do you go through to evaluate me? We're going to get into PR here in a second, but I'm fascinated <laughs> by your business. Sure. So a lot of people assume that everyone who's at voice.com, we're all voice actors. That's not quite the case. We're all the um, the office staff who keep this site afloat. So for example, on public relations, we have people here who are in sales positions um, and people who are here on the talent in the talent department. So if there's somebody who is interested in becoming a voiceover actor, usually the first thing um, I know we tell them is that you have to have a demo. So that's kind of the great thing about having voice.com online. We revolutionized an industry. It was a hundred year old industry. People weren't doing this online or finding an easy way to record, um, hire, audition, or get any of their files. So we put everything online. So to be able to be found um, and to be, I guess, considered for a role, you have to have a demo on your profile on the site. So that's usually what we ask talent to have ready right away if they want to join or be considered. Um, it's a pretty easy process. We just want to make sure that you have all the right resources. If you're an aspiring actor, say you're somebody who your neighbor told you, you have a great voice if you ever considered voice acting, it's a great way to get your feet wet in the industry. Um, sign up for a membership, whether that be a guest account or a premium membership um, or anything higher than that, and you have access to the world's jobs. That's it's also so cool. it's really cool. It's also a great opportunity for people who are more experienced and want to find want to have more control over their career and over the jobs that they go after. So it's really it's great for anyone. Just make sure though that you have done your research because it's not as easy as just speaking into a mic. There's a lot more that goes into it. So we like yeah. to see people successful. Yeah, love it, love it. From a client perspective, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, when they are, you know, how do they get to the point where they're saying, 
okay, I need a voice actor because no one in this organization or my family and friends <laughs> are really able to do what we need because, you know, again, it's not, it's not, it's not appearance, it's voice. So how do you, how does a client get to that point where they say, I need to call voices.com? And, and I'm, by the way, I'm talking about a first time client. I know totally. through, through repeat, per, repeats and, you know, customer engagement. So value propositions are there, but I'm talking the first one. Right. So the first one, it's usually exactly like you said, somebody, uh, whether it be a small business or even somebody a little bigger who hasn't really dabbled in um, that kind of project or that kind of creative project before, where they create this beautiful video or this software or whatever the voiceover is being applied to a documentary, whatever it is. And they'll usually get someone to go into the office closet and record the voiceover for it. Um, thinking that's good enough. And that's all you really need. It's usually at the point where they listen to it back and realize it's not the same. You do need a professional voiceover talent. That's when they usually go to Google and start frantically searching, like, where do I get voiceover? And that's when we pop up. We're the largest online marketplace in the world. Um, so most people come to us and they're looking for that. So it's usually they've listened to their employees or their friends and family to the recording. It's not really the right fit. Or they are really savvy, you know, right from the get-go. You know, we're doing this project. We're investing all this money. We're not going to drop the ball when it comes to the end of the project where we need to apply voiceover to it. Like, let's just get the professional right from the beginning. So kind of go one of two ways, but that's usually at the point. It usually starts the Google search. Yeah, wow, that's wonderful. How did you how did you find yourself at Voices.com? Me, myself? Um, yeah. I was working in the city for the Economic Development Corporation of London. So London... LADC. Um, and I'd see, I loved it there. It was fantastic, but I had known that my dream was always to get into PR. So I was dabbling in PR in all my various roles after school, after I graduated from Western, uh, go Western, go Mustangs. And (laughs) wait a minute. What happened with his recent football win or non-win? Yes. Is the, did they win? They did, I believe, and I might have read the news wrong. We're undefeated for this year. So uh, fantastic news. Yeah, really good news. Well, Western, was it not the team that just trounced Acadia like 800 to 1 or something like that? I believe it was something in that ballpark. <laughs> so definitely go Mustangs. Yeah, go Mustangs. Um, so I had always known that I wanted to get into it, but public relations um, is a very hard field to get into, and especially in a small to medium-sized business or a city like London. So when Voice.com put the posting up and I saw my dream job floating in front of me, mm. I applied and it worked out really, really well. I've been here for almost five years now. Wow. Um, and I came in at a really interesting time in the company's history. So we've been around since 2004. It was founded by a husband and wife team, Dave and, Ste- Dave and Stephanie Cicerelli, right. um, a long time ago. Like wow. I said, back 2004. Yeah. And I think I was higher number 22 or something like that. It was still a very small team at that point. So yes. that was in about 2013. And the company, even though it was small and had a very, very tiny marketing team, it was only a few people. They knew very early on as a small company that they needed to invest in public relations. So let's, uh, let's dive into that if we yeah. could. I, I want to know what your definition of public relations is. Sure. So it, I think it differs on, or it depends on what the person giving the definition believes in and things like that. But I truly feel and know that public relations is about the top of the marketing or sales funnel for a company. It's all about getting the exposure of potential customers, then handing it off to the marketing team who are just below PR in the sales funnel to convert those people who are engaging with your brand to take what you've developed as the brand and the engagement on that and turn that into conversions for the company. So PR is at the top of that funnel. At the top of the, so what is your, what is your uh, opinion on PR strategy for any startup? 
Totally. Um, a lot of startups don't often think about it. It's just, it's like companies not thinking about voiceover until the last minute, um, which is fine. But when it comes to PR, I think a lot of small businesses think they need to be, and startups even need to feel that they need to be much bigger before yeah. they invest in public relations, which I firmly believe is not the case. If you if you have really great products, a really interesting story, you definitely have room to start with PR early on, earlier on in your growth. Um, you need those people to kind of get worded about your product to start bringing income into the door, um, to start getting potential customers engaging with what you're offering and getting excited about it, which makes it not only easier to recruit new talent because your company is growing in talent by, I mean, employees, it's also yes. easier to get investors if you already have that kind of exposure, that kind of brand being developed. Um, it's also much easier to get sales because your customers are aware of what you have out there. Sure. So, and, and consistency is part of the game, correct? Correct. Very much so. So tell me, what are your, some of your favorite PR hacks? <laughs> My favorite <laughs> PR hacks. I think it all starts with just knowing the basics. Obviously, I'm beyond that point, but for a startup, for, for a, a small company, you need to know basically how PR works at a very basic level to make it work for you and before you can start incorporating hacks. So the basic level, you need to understand that the relationship between a reporter and a PR person or even just the person in your company who's handling public relations for you is sacred and it's not a one-way street. I think that's where a lot of people tend to go wrong and get it wrong and then kind of discount PR as not helpful. Yeah. Um, you, you need to very you, much... Sorry, can you expand on that a bit? For yeah, me? of course. So it's very much understanding that you feed the other. So reporters need to get content. They need to get those stories. They have quotas of what they need to cover and how much they need to write each week. Um, and then the PR person obviously needs to make sure that their company or their product is being covered and being put out there to the masses or to the right target group. So I've noticed and I've seen it happen. And I know I've been guilty really early on in my career of thinking that the PR person or the company itself is the star and right. you're reaching out to reporters saying, hey, you need to cover this. Yeah, Can you cover you this? Yeah, here it is. Like We need yeah. coverage. It doesn't work that way. Um, you work for the reporter, basically. Mm. And I know they respond best for that or respond sure best they for do. that. So yeah. you need to hand to them on a silver platter your story. So let's let's, let's pause you there for a quick yeah. second. This is an entrepreneurial lesson that I keep keep trying to bring to forefront in the conversations. In this case, the PR, the, the reporter is actually your customer. Is that fair mm -hmm. to say that? And so yes. you're trying to identify what their needs are so mm -hmm. that you can provide them with some value, which meets their needs from voices.com. It meets the needs. You'll get what you want, which is a customer pain in the sense of putting uh, your story out there. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the relationship. Mm. Um, I've seen it so many times that if they haven't already approach a relationship incorrectly, they fumble it when it does happen. So you finally get a reporter to respond to you, which is at the early stage, very rare. Um, and then when they do connect with you, you give them or pitch them a story that really isn't that newsworthy. And mm. everyone's guilty of it. You're biased. It's your company. It's your product. It's whatever you're trying to get out there. And you think it's the most amazing thing in the world. So say it's something along the lines of, hey, we just updated our website. That's yeah. fantastic. But yeah. a reporter's not going to truly care about that, <laughs> depending on what their beat is and depending on what really is happening. Yeah. Um, when you're going through this, I, I'm sorry, I didn't even why, I don't even know why I went there. But it's kind of like, isn't my baby the most beautiful baby in right? the world? And no, and they, they're, they're ugly. <laughs> but that's not what's going to get you covered. So no. <laughs> For like the basics and the hacks, put yourself in the reporter's shoes. 
become an avid reader of the news, understand what reporters are covering and the angles that they tend to pick up. Like, what do you find interesting with the newspaper? It's not somebody just built an extension on their office. Sometimes it is if it's a big office, but it's not, hey, we just updated our website or, hey, we just did this or that. Like, it's you need to make sure that you have something coming out that's interesting and provocative. So maybe it's, hey, this has never been available in the marketplace before. This is going to change everything. Here's what we're offering. Holy smokes, reporters will be tripping over themselves to cover you and your company. So keep that in mind and make it very, very easy. The media landscape has changed over the past few years in that com- or, sorry, newsrooms are getting smaller and smaller. And therefore, mm-hmm. the reporters, certain editors and writers who are on staff, they have to do a lot more with less. So don't make it difficult for them to write the story. Like, hand it to them on a silver platter. Make it very, very clear in your email and your, um, your pitch what the story is. Make sure you include your press release or any content like that, any of your sound bites. Include high-res photos. Uh, make sure your logo's in there. Just make sure they have everything they could possibly need, any stats, any links they need to reference, the hyperlinks you know you want. Make it easier for them just to take it and run, and they will love you and keep coming back for more. But it's got to be valuable. It has to be valuable. So right. first off, make sure it's valuable. Um, and I skipped a step in there. Make sure you research the reporter you're reaching out to. Don't just reach – say I've seen it before with other companies where the CEO or the VP or whoever wants to be in something like New York Times. Great. That's an awesome goal. Does your story make sense for that? And are you at that point where you can pitch for that? Um, And they just blindly start reaching out to any of the writers or editors there. It does. You're going to burn so many more bridges that way. And you're going to hurt yourself more than you will really help yourself. So it's not like the old school days of PR people or even just the people doing it for you at your company, whatever the role is, reaching out en masse to everybody and just saying, here's the story. Do you want it? You need to do your research. Check out the reporters on Twitter. That's where they all hang out and play all day long. Find out what they tend to cover, who they tend to speak to, who they um, work for, what their beat is. You need to make sure that you make it very, very clear in your email pitch um, because that's how they like to be pitched. It's not phone calls anymore. that's interesting. Okay, email pitch. Or social media. I get a lot of stories off of um, Twitter and LinkedIn, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So make it very concise when you do it that way, but also find out what they like and then make it clear in your pitch itself, whatever channel it's on, why this makes sense for them and what kind of thought you put into it and then deliver it to them. So, so as you're going through your, uh, your hacks, your PR hacks, what it keeps getting back to me is this uh, ongoing engagement relationship building with the, uh, with the reporters. It, it's kind of weird to even think about them this day. They're journalists, right? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, but it's, um, you know, I look at my daughter, my daughter's in Vietnam. She's, you know, she's writing, she's writing articles from Vietnam on just uh, things of, of interest. She isn't reporting anything. She's really just, you know, she's a journalist on a, on a topic of interest. So, my, my, my question to you is, once you get them, once you get a connection with somebody, do, you, do in your PR hacks, does it extend beyond the the email, the, the digital connection? Do you take them out to dinner? Do you call them on the phone? You know, do you do anything like that? I wish I could take them all out for dinner. Um, but Voice.com <laughs> is very much an internet company. So everything sure. we do is online. So, and also we're based in London, Ontario, a fantastic city. I love it here, but it, do, it I'm not close to the reporters on the West coast or in New York. Right, right. So it makes it much more difficult to, to meet them up for lunch. However, whenever I do go to those cities, um, I make sure I reach out to the contacts that I'm constantly in communication with and say, Hey, I'm in the city. Do you want to go for a coffee on me? Do you want to go for lunch? Are you yeah. around? Can I come to your office? Um, there's that way. But if you're, that's, 
that's really not feasible or available to your team, especially when you're at an early stage in your company growth. Um, It's fine to just go over email. Um, I always follow them on um, Twitter or LinkedIn because I like to connect with them that way. And it's remember, it's not always about your story. Yes, Yes. you have a job to do and get your story out there. But think about other things that are happening. So say you know a company up the street that you're friendly with and they just had something happen. Um, And it's huge news. Feel free to reach out to your friendly reporter that you're building a relationship with and say, hey, I don't know if you know about this, but this company's actually doing this. Mm. I thought it would be kind of cool. What do you think? Mm. Um, it's Make sure it's not always about you. That's how you build up the relationship because you want to be a content provider, whatever it's about, and they will keep going to you as the source of information. Um, and the phone calls are fantastic too. You get to a point in the relationship, it's almost like dating. You get to the point where it's okay yeah. to call them. Yep. Um, yeah. so, right? So you can actually call, you can call them if you want. They often don't like being called. It depends on what your relationship is and who they are and sure. just what their preference is. Um, but there's times where I have a story that's breaking and I have my handful of people that I know really should get it because it's right for them and their outlet. Yes. And you just put a call and say, hey, how's the weather? What are you doing? Just chat with them. Like they, you truly are friends at that point. Sure. Um, and then give them what you know that they could really use and could help them in their work. So you help them make become heroes. Yes. Make them look good. You are not only doing PR for your brand, but PR and working for the reporter themselves. Right on. And uh, I love the fact you referenced the dating analogy. I use that all the time in business, that business, that's all it is. It's just dating, get to know the people, give them what they need and, and, uh, and then continue to do that, know them more and more about them. And ultimately they, they love you. And once you've got love in that relationship, boy, that's a hard one to break up. <laughs> totally. Sure. And, it, and it's, you have to be genuine about it too. Yes. Yeah. You totally need to be genuine associated with it. So um, let's talk about your customers because yes. we've talked really a lot about the journalists, the reporters, the getting the story out and so on, but there still is another element to, uh, to when I say your customers too, it's, it's not just your customers who are going to buy from you, but mm-hmm. those customers and the stakeholders who are going to be your, your, you know, your voice talent. How do you, what's, what's your PR strategy to, to approach them, to connect with them and to engage? with them. Sure. Um, so we're really lucky that our talent are doing amazing work, not only on our site, but also off our site, which is great too, because these are talent with multifaceted careers and voice.com is the tool in their toolbox to find work. Um, so we're lucky though, that a lot of the great work they're doing is on our site, which makes it easier for me from a customer story standpoint. So it shouldn't always be about the brand itself when you're getting um, many opportunities. It should be about your customers to highlight them and what right. they're working on. So I do that not only for, so we call them customers, but we have a dual customer base. We have clients who are the businesses who require voiceover for their projects and we have the talent themselves. Cool. So on the talent side, um, say we have somebody who, which we did a few years ago, who r- did all the voices for an animated short that was up for an Oscar. So huge news. So we want to make sure that we help them elevate that story. Um, We'll talk about them and anything that we're talking about. So talking about some of our uh, milestones or some of the great things that our customers are up to that month, we'll mention that. Um, Or say there's a story trending on any emerging technology for the holiday rush. Maybe there's a new toy in the market and say maybe one of our talent was the voice and we're able to talk about that. We'll highlight that in our pitches um, just to kind of say like this talent actually does this. Isn't that interesting? Or we've done a lot of talent profiles actually across Canada too. There's two brothers. I believe they're both in BC um, who both do voiceover and they one I believe um, 
does the voiceover for a major airline and the other does a whole bunch of really interesting stuff too. But we ended up getting them two separate profiles in the local newspapers. So it's smaller, but that's how you start to develop sure. um, brand awareness. You have to start at the local level and build up to national and international. So they each got a feature on their interesting work and it ends up tying back to voice.com anyway, because they're so happy with the opportunity. They mentioned us. Um, and it was kind of funny because being brothers, they were kind of dueling it out over who got more work <laughs> counted, more space in their pers- or their respective newspapers. So you can do that on the client side. Same thing. The client's working on a really interesting project and they're okay with you talking about it. We can mention that to the reporters. Um, hey, this is coming up. This is something voice.com worked on or say um, this actually also recently happened. So AI, artificial intelligence is really big topic in media right now, especially with all the emerging technology that's coming out. So there were a lot of reporters who were looking for comments on this. So we actually have a client who uh, is an AI company and they just did not much work with us. So it wasn't even about the work that they had done with us. It was about them as a client. So even though it's technically not about us, we were so happy to pitch them to some of the opportunities we were chasing down. We weren't a fit for, but they were a fit for. Uh, And you want to highlight your customers, just like with the reporters, you build them, make them feel great. It's not always about, the product or the sale, sometimes it's really just about throwing them a bone or just being there for them and supporting them in their journey as well. You're supporting them at every level. Do you train your your clients on how to do that correctly? Yes. Yeah. Um, that's another hack. Don't ever just send a client or a customer um, blind into an interview opportunity. You always want to create like some kind of prep doc, um, anticipated questions. You want to give them any stats or tidbits that you found. Have a phone conversation with them. Make them feel comfortable. Uh, make yourself available if they want you um, on the call or if they want to come to your office and do it. Like, just support them any way you can. But you definitely want to have a call with them first and prep them on any of the key messages. And they want to know that stuff. They want to know what you would need said about your company and they want to know kind of what you might have pitched the reporters so they know what to cover. Does it cost anything for your voice actors to be uh, connected to voices.com? Uh, there are several membership levels. So it does cost money at certain levels. Like I said, you can start at the free level and you can mm-hmm. work your way up through the ranks. Um, and each membership level has different benefits associated with it. You get what you decide that you want. So, and obviously you're, uh, you're, you're the, 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 the clients who hire these people, they would pay a fee also for access to this database. So they don't pay a access fee. Um, right. The town are the ones who pay membership fees. Right. right. Whereas the clients themselves, they get free custom auditions. Like they get everything free. They pay when it comes time to hire somebody. Okay. When it comes time to hire. Okay. Got it. Got it. So is there any other packages on beyond, beyond those fundamentals that you're offering with regards to training, PR knowledge, uh, things like that? Uh, I'll, I'll call it the, you know, the law, the, the, the tail kind of uh, approach. Yeah we do this, we do this and we do this. Um, yes. So there are certain levels of membership where they do get access to the PR team here to have more support on the talent side of things, um, to get stuff out there on the other end. It's usually all incorporated and it really comes down to what makes the most sense for what we're working on with the media. So there really isn't a paywall to get access to that for other things that people could pay for. Um, we don't really monetize it too much or even at all. So we have a lot of free resources all over our website. So if you're a newer talent or aspiring talent, you kind of want to know how do I set up my home studio or how do I audition or do you have some practice scripts that I can kind of work on and figure out or use that for my demo? We have that all available for free. So it's, there's really no cost. The focus for us is to make sure that our customers are successful. Um, we also can reference um, local coaches or even coaches that will coach talent via Skype um, to make things easier for them depending on where they live. So there are a whole bunch of things available 
available to both talents and customers or sorry, talents and clients. You uh, you have worked with with many uh, big media outlets. Congratulations on that. Thank journey. you. <laughs> um, this is an entrepreneur uh, audience. Loved as part of their PR to get into Entrepreneur Magazine. What can you tell mm-hmm. us about your journey with Entrepreneur Magazine and and how our our listeners can possibly get their story to, into uh, into Entrepreneur Magazine? Sure. Um, any way to get into any magazine or newspaper or blog, whatever is, um, including Entrepreneur Magazine, just boils down to, like I mentioned earlier, is researching the outlet that you really feel like you um, your brand or your product ties well to. Um, if you're an entrepreneur, Entrepreneur Magazine obviously does make most sense for you. You want to reach out to the right editor there. You want to know kind of what they cover and what they need. So take a flip through a few issues in Entrepreneur and make sure that what you're thinking makes sense for them isn't quite out of bounds of what they truly do cover. And then running with that. So reaching out via email or Twitter or whatever it is, um, whatever the, that reporter's or editor's preference is, and very quickly sharing what your story is and why you're reaching out to them and what it is. Um, And like I said, that's for Entrepreneur Magazine or anything else. If you want, say, TechCrunch or the LA Times or the Globe and Mail, um, depending on where you are or what you want, it's the same thing. You want to find out what section of the magazine or newspaper you think you tie well to and find the people who work in that department and then reaching out to them directly. The fundamentals are pretty well the same, aren't they? It doesn't matter what publication or what... uh, Doesn't matter publication. It doesn't matter. But the, pub, the personality of the publication does right, dictate right, how right. you speak to certain people. So, for example, when I'm speaking to somebody from Forbes or Wall Street Journal, I'm going to be speaking to them a little bit differently than I would to somebody at Betakit um, or a blog somewhere or I'm trying to think of what else. Anything more tech related or a little more like a BuzzFeed, I would speak to them a little bit differently. Right. So, that's why I always love to check out their Twitter feed to find out or their Twitter homepage or profile to find out how they speak. Um, and especially I take into account who they are. If you have somebody who's a little more experienced in the industry for a while, I'm not going to show up with a, Hey there, hope all's well. I'm going to say, hi, hope everything is up. Hope my email finds you well. My name it like it just, you want right. to depending on what, how you feel that they will respond well to. I know there's a whole bunch of um, apps out there too that will do that reading for you as you write the email to them. Brilliant. Yeah, I love that. That is so awesome. But you know, it's a, it's just a freaking dating game. That's all it really it is. is. That's yeah. all it is. Public relations is relationships. Right, right. So how did you and Startup Canada get connected? Oh, so this was several years ago for me when I okay. first um, joined the company. There were lots of opportunities that were kind of floating around. I walked in a really good time. Um, our CEO, David Cicerelli, was actually the first Google Glass Explorer in 2013 in Canada. Cool. So it worked out really, really, really well for me that I had a story to sink my teeth into within the first few weeks on the job. So what is so, that? Just for the audience, what is that? Sure. So Google Glass, I'm probably very rusty on this explanation. It's been <laughs> several <for> years. She <laughs> yeah. talked about it. Um, Google Glass was that sun, I guess like sunglass frame looking thing that we all saw back in 2013 okay. that had like the touch technology, um, it had the bone conductor behind the ear where you could hear everything as it like shook your skull as you could hear things. It was, it was another, um, wearable, I guess. That is so cool. You shook your head and you could hear things. Well, you know, it had this bone conductor technology where it didn't have speakers as uh, it vibrated hear, um, what Google Glass was speaking to you about. Uh, cool. It was cool. really cool technology. So we had the first in Canada here. Wonderful. Um, 
So it was really interesting stuff. And that's when I was reaching out to all of the um, Canadian outlets to talk about it. So I kind of got introduced to Startup Canada that way. Um, David and Stephanie, though, even before I came and even continuing on after that, they've been very involved with Startup Canada. I know last year we were really involved with um, the tweet meetups that Startup Canada runs. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I know all the girls over at the Startup Canada offices uh, do yeah. that. So <laughs> over time, we've developed a beautiful relationship. Well, you know, there's an organization that really knows how to do PR. That's for sure. They do it a magnificent, magnificent job with it. Um, I want to uh, I want to talk about something that is pretty uh, pretty cool with your life, also besides all the things we've already talked about. But uh, you were one of the five people in Canada to receive the Canada Post Scholarship. Yes, one to five, and not only once, not only twice, but three times. So tell me the story about that. And first of all, what is the scholarship? And and, uh, and and how's the competition for that? Obviously, you brought in your PR piece into this. Because <laughs> <laughs> you won it three times. So, right? uh, so tell me, what's the, what's the journey? I think that's very cool. Sure. So this was a long time ago for me. Um, this was back <laughs> in my university years. So even before I was a full-fledged professional in the PR field, I guess I was practicing PR very early on. Sure. Yes. Um, my mom is actually um, an employee of Canada Post. So she had heard about the scholarship. And this was at the time as I had just gotten accepted into Western. And I was trying to figure out how to pay for it. So she had found out about the Canada Post scholarship and said, like, you need to apply. And I can't, I'm trying to remember what I even wrote about. I think I wrote an essay on, oh, I don't remember what it was, but I think it was about um, Canada Post, how I love it, what it means to my family, um, and research I was interested in, and really what I, why I was going to Western and what I wanted to do, if I remember this all correctly. And I was shocked to get the letter a little while later that said I had been accepted and I had a scholarship. Um, wow. I believe the scholarship's for children of Canada Post employees, but it's really stiff competition. Hundreds and not thousands of people I know oh. apply to it. So. I can't reveal that much. Um, was it was it more than five thousand dollars? I think it was about that. Nice, nice, high five! I love it. Thank you. So it was really, really nice, um, and so I was really shocked to get it the first time. And then the next year, I decided to apply again. Nothing was stopping me from trying again. I was shocked to get it. I was shocked to get it again. I thought, I'm like, this is pretty easy. It's great. Like, what a good <laughs> way to do easy. it. I'm like, this isn't that hard. Why doesn't everybody do this? And then I found mm-hmm. out, I think it was Canada Post that told me in one of their messages back to me saying that nobody else has gotten it this many times wow. in a row. Um, wow. So it just, it's taking, and I think that's maybe where everything kind of started. It's taking advantage of the opportunities out there. And it comes down to the same thing for small businesses um, or for students or for anybody who's looking for opportunities. Those opportunities are out there. Not everybody takes advantage of them. Mind you, you can't post one. Everybody was trying to take advantage of it. But it's knowing what uh, aligns with your brand and aligns with what you want to do and going after it with everything you have. So that's kind of where that started for me. And I've brought, I brought that to school. I brought that to my career, every position I've had up until about now, including now, just knowing what's available, doing your research and throwing it all out there and going after and not getting distracted by other things. There were several other scholarships I could have gone after. There's several other media stories I could go after. There's several other things that anybody can work on. Um, but knowing what makes the most sense for you and is going to get you to where you need to be mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. where you focus. Don't get distracted. Don't focus on the other options that are out there. Pick the one or two that make the most sense and chase after them. 
what makes the most sense to you. I love it. It really is one of those aha moments that uh, that we we forget about all the time. And particularly as entrepreneurs, you know, and I you know you've heard this before. We chase squirrels all the freaking time, <laughs> all the time. And does it make sense to chase all the squirrels? No, one will do to start with. And so, what's um, I mean, this is a very fascinating world you live in, and has all kinds of one creativity with it, but also some structure behind it. What's one uh, book that you would recommend, or, or maybe it's a blog, or maybe it's a, a membership site or whatever, where people can receive, I'll call it entry elementary information around PR world to get them started? Because that what makes sense for most startups is to get them started. Totally. Um, there's lots of books and um magazine articles out there you can read, but my favorite thing that I keep going to and every um, intern employee that comes through my department, I always get them to sign up for it's PR News Daily. So I love, they have really short, interesting, to the point blog posts about a specific faucet of PR or, hey, this company just had a PR fiasco. Here's how their people handled it. And it's kind of like a dissection of that, but it's all done um, in short form content. So I love that you can get it. I believe you can get it delivered to your inbox. I follow them online. I read their blog constantly. It's it varies from the very basic to the more advanced. So depending on what you're interested, you can scroll through their website. You can they can dig really deep. And find exactly what makes the most sense for your company or for your role if you're just starting out in it. Very cool. Very cool. So um, when you when we go live with this recording um, mm-hmm. and you get all kinds of the magical tools to help you promote it, what are you going to do to market your podcast on the Startup Canada <laughs> podcast show? There are several things I like to follow that I suggest everybody follows when their Startup Canada podcast goes live or any podcast they end up getting the opportunity on. Um, We usually will post it to the newsroom on our website. But before that, we file everything. Um, We use Salesforce at our company. So we file everything there, the news story um, object on Salesforce. So we can say, hey, this is what happened. Here's what the reach is like. Good to know, because that's what all of our marketing team will pull from. So then once that's done, I'll put it on our newsroom on voices.com. And then it will get shared and pulled across all of our social media channels. Um, And each message for each social media channel will be tailored for that audience. So the LinkedIn crew, they're going to want to see different kind of copy to um, be attached to the sharing of that pod or this podcast. Twitter wants to see something different. Facebook wants to do something a little bit different and so on and so forth. And then it will most likely get pulled for our newsletter that goes out once a month, if it makes sense for that month's theme, um, and then sent out to everybody with a link. And then it will also get shared across our internal team if they ever want to listen to it and share it on their own accounts, because it's all about internal brand advocates. So we get them to share things too. So Tricia, um, one of my, uh, no, I'm going to say not one of my, the most, my most favorite sports figure of all times is Tom Brady. And, <laughs> and, and he, every time he gets to talk in front of the media, he leaves it with, hi, mom. That's the last <laughs> thing he says. So who do you want to give a shout out to? Hmm. I definitely want to say hi, mom. Yes, good. <laughs> not still Tom Brady's thunder, and I'm sure everybody says that, <laughs> but it's true. She's the one who um, pushed me to get a university education. I knew I was going to do it anyway, but she was the one who really drove that home for myself and all my siblings, including my sister who works at Voice.com with me as well. Um, 
so she's the one who pushed me to do that. She is a great sounding board if I'm having uh, if I'm having a challenge in front of me, whether it be a project I'm working on or even something in my personal life or whatever it is. She gives very blunt advice, um, <laughs> which is always helpful because it's stuff I already know, but it's nice to hear from her. And I, I know she has my back. Yes. And she is the one who got me started on the Canada Post Scholarship. Um, wow. And who has been the biggest cheerleader, especially when I was applying for this role. And I went to New York and lived there for two months uh, in 2015. And she was really supportive of that. She just, she is my cheerleader. And I don't think I would have the work ethic or the skills Mm -hmm. I have now if it wasn't for how she raised me and how she pushed me. So thank you, mom. Thank you, Bonnie Bozart. Bonnie, I was going to ask you what's your name. Thank Bonnie. you, Bonnie, for uh, for all you've done because uh, Trisha, this is going to be just an amazing uh, conversation that people are going to listen to, learn from, and, and get impact from. Thank you so so much for giving us your time today. Uh, it's the end of the day now in London, so uh, and it's an hour an hour ahead of you. So it's time both of us said good night and uh, and head off to do some some uh, maybe a glass of wine or something like that to celebrate <laughs> this podcast. Thank you so so much thank you very much Rivers. i appreciate it thank you for joining us this week on the startup canada podcast a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business want access to resources and support to grow your business visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats on twitter every wednesday and friday at 12 p.m eastern till next week i'm rivers corbett leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Hi, this is Mark Evans, principal at ME Consulting, and you're listening to the Startup Canada podcast with Rivers Corbett. Yeah, right on. And and that's really what you have done with starting ME Consulting. Is is that really the impetus to, to help to, that, that really began, began your journey with ME Consulting? Well, so I, I came at consulting from a sort of a journalist storytelling perspective. Um, you know, for years I had told stories about technology to the mass audience, and I really wanted to uh, help companies um, help stories, help create stories that that resonate, help create stories that get people excited, that pe- get people engaged, um, and that get people curious. And and that's the, the the sort of the essence to good storytelling is that you. You create stories that really um, captivate your audience. Yes. And so you, the more you tell them, the more they want to know. Um, and if you can do that, that's amazing marketing. It's amazing sales. So, so Mark, I, you know, I'm, I'm, and again, I'm a big fan of your value proposition. Uh, I see there's a big void in that whole area of storytelling, and consistently telling that storytelling. And when you, and, and you know it, I know it. I mean, as kids, that's what we, what we know. We're brought up with storytelling st- stories. Tell me a story. Tell me a story. And then, what did you learn from the story? So, why, why do companies, particularly startups, struggle with one? I guess embracing that concept, let alone putting a strategy in place to to uh, to tell their story. It's a very interesting question because storytelling, as you mentioned, is sort of an inherent part of how we grow up. It's how we mm. learn, and in fact, um, I would argue that um, most of the time we're telling stories in our daily conversations. So you would think that entrepreneurs would be really good storytellers, but. 
there's a couple of um, problems. One is that entrepreneurs tend to be very product centric. It's all about their right. company. They want to talk about their features. They want to talk about price. They want to talk about their technology. And that's great. And it's, it's very informative. But most customers, that's not what they want to hear from the get-go. What mm -hmm. they're interested in is tell me about how your technology or your product going to benefit me? It's the classic, what's in it for me question. Sure. And then um, once you sort of show me the benefits, then you need to um, sort of almost craft these experiences that involve me. So let's say for example, your uh, GoPro. So there's two approaches to GoPro. One from a technology perspective is that you could talk about how GoPro makes small rugged video cameras to record your various adventures. Mm. And that, that's a very technical um, approach to storytelling. But right. on the other hand, if you really want to tell stories um, that captivate, then if you're GoPro, what you say is that we help you capture life's adventures and share them with friends. Now, the stories aren't that different, but the second story is about me, the user. It's about how I can envision using a right. GoPro. You know, I'm riding my bicycle down a mountain, or I'm 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 on a on a snowmobile racing across a lake, and and I can envision if I had a GoPro, that would be amazing because I could share that with my friends, and that's that's storytelling um, in its most powerful form.